What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the 42nd episode of The Cycle 365. I am one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos. I'm Cody Stoffer. And we got a pretty jam-packed episode. This is going to be a fun one. But first, we'll have to do our weekly sports update, per usual, because sports are coming back faster than, you know, any of us would have thought. Uh, it's been a long time coming, so I'm going to go ahead and throw it to Cody for our weekly sports news. All right. Thank you, Simon. So kind of going over things that have happened within the past week, the NHL had a new CBA go through. Now this, you know, CBAs only happen once every couple of years. And a lot of the CBAs in a lot of these major sports have bumped into this COVID process. And so we can kind of see the impacts that it's had. So in this new NHL CBA, one of the big headlines from it is that the salary cap won't be raised for the next two years. And that's to kind of compensate for, you know, the the money that the NHL isn't making from the games that they won't be playing and from the fans that won't be in the seats. So that's kind of a compensation that they've had to do that's going to have an impact on free agents. There's also a new... There's a new house hunters clause where players, when they're traded or when they're signed, because there's a lot of fluidity as in the NHL, as far as like players being traded or being sent down to the minors and pulled back up from all kinds of different places. It's not as clear and cut as say like football, where basically anyone who starts the year is going to be on a roster by the end of the year in, in the NFL, like, people can get sent down in the NHL. So this house hunters clause allows for players to get a round trip um, flight to wherever their new city is to find a house and choose it to live in. And then they get one trip. So after they get back to where they were living, they get one more plane trip to move all of their stuff. And it was also pretty big for family members of NHL players where like specifically spouses and kids are allowed to be in the same like air class, if that makes sense. So, you know, business or like first class, stuff like that. They're allowed the same kind of, I don't know, tier, if you want to call it that. So, and to do, do, there were some decisions made as far as what the Olympics, what the NHL is going to do with the Olympics but it's it's closer than it's ever been to competing in the olympics and had this cba been able to actually have time to work itself through we probably would have seen more nhl interaction in the olympics because they run in at the same time of the season for some teams so that was those are some of the major points from this cba and I'm going to toss it to you guys to just see kind of what you think, knowing how the NFL CBA works in the past. And we've seen that and the big changes that it's made. 
and also just kind of your guys' thoughts on how obviously COVID has impacted it and whether the NHL will be able to bounce back from this in six years when the new CBA comes back. Honestly, so y'all know I'm not as familiar with hockey. Uh, we're, we're talking money here, so I'm, I'm not completely out of my element to say. But I, I think, you know, the whole, what is it, the house? Oh my gosh, what, what is it? House finder? Uh, house hunters. House hunter clause or whatever that is. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I kind of thought themes did that already as a courtesy but no that's a nice little thing and you know keeps families together and whatnot and you know for all you know professional athletes that's always a tough thing being an athlete being a professional athlete and then having a family and you know having to move them around so that's just one less worry checked off i would say and then i i kind of get the whole like you know salary cap not rising and them taking you know covid in as a as a factor right because that's that's the deal here going on with why the salary cap isn't rising for the next two years is that right <clears throat> yeah yeah and and i think that might be an indicator of future cbas i'm not completely sure when the nba and nfl cba are due but i feel like it's pretty close because it's been about you know that 10-ish years or so so I think this might be an indicator of future CBAs and for other sports that is and uh, what that'll look like moving forward just because I mean honestly you know this whole COVID thing that not a lot of money's being made everyone's basically going to be losing money some way or another so I think this is just something that that shows it's you know it's it's some uh, it happened as a result of this you know COVID-19 crisis so I am actually uh, interested in seeing how the future CBAs and other sports will turn out, especially after this one was done. Liam, your thoughts? Yeah, um, I do think the House Hunter uh, clause that's a good thing. Um, I think it's it's hard to say this because I I always root for um, I do always root for the players and I always want them to get you know the better half of the agreements. Uh, that they are signing but with the covid crisis i think it's going to be pretty tough you know as a business because that's what that's what all sports is basically is just a business for for these businesses to uh to make sure everybody's paid well you know and paid especially when nobody's really playing anything um so the 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 salary cap pause for two years is that's a good thing in my my opinion um even though i don't think anybody actually really wants it i think that um it'll be it'll be interesting if players still keep getting signed to bigger and bigger contracts even though the salary cap is being paused for two years uh, or not not raised for two years i should say i do think that once hockey's back that it'll be back to normal for the most part um, especially with everything going on that I think everybody will kind of embrace it pretty well and just go straight for it. Yeah, we'll definitely see. I know that the, so the salary cap being flattened is like an obvious move, right? Yeah. You know, to, to make up money that's lost. However, definitely people who 
are sad about this are upcoming free agents for this year and for next year because yeah. you know the salary cap that's constantly been increasing means bigger contracts you know and simon you kind of touched on it you know as far as like the house hunters clause seems like it should be obvious right but the nhl in terms of money and in terms of player association is pretty far behind the other sports being like nba even mlb and nfl where they just don't have a lot of strength because hockey is still like a growing sport especially here in america like it's it's very popular to watch in canada but the u.s audience is still slowly but surely being won over and they're finding out which markets are the right ones you know a team like vegas was huge for the nhl and a team in seattle which may also run into problems here because the Seattle team was supposed to start here in the next couple of years. That is kind of on the table right now instead of being pushed down the track. But there's some huge names that can't get, I guess, bigger contracts. And one of them being Alex Ovechkin, who, you know, won the Stanley Cup for the Washington Capitals a couple of years ago as well as Gabriel Landeskog, who is an abs forward and captain and has been for, shoot, years. And Landeskog is definitely the next guy to get that big contract after we gave a huge one to Nathan McKinnon and after we gave another big one to Rantanen. So Landeskog is going to be looking at those guys' contracts and just potentially not be able to get the same thing. And then there's also Jordan Bennington, who was the rookie stanley cup winning goalie for the blues and you just gotta like it's a tough situation but man it's gotta stink to be those players that we're looking forward to cashing in basically yeah i mean absolutely but i i mean look it's it, i can't really yeah you know I, I feel like i want the athletes you know to get paid more and I mean, it really does screw over some of these future free agents, but no, that's just the reality of the, this crisis, to be honest. And honestly, like, you know, it, I mean, it's not completely um, the whole NHL's fault that this whole thing's going on because a lot of the league is in Canada and they're doing their part better than we are. So there's that. Uh, you know that's just a reality of this i mean on the bright side it is only two years right where it's just gonna stay the same and then it'll steadily rise and um also isn't the cba only for the next six years is that right yeah yeah until the 2025 2026 season okay yeah i mean honestly as far as cbas goes like just looking on the bright side it's not the longest cba because i feel like most cbas go for more than seven or eight years isn't that right like 10 years every 10 years or so i might be wrong though no in other sports it's usually a 10-year cba like the nfl just had theirs because it's 2020 and the last one was in like 2009 but yeah no i got you i got you okay so yeah I th so this isn't that it's not as bad as it could be and honestly you know maybe after two years go by uh something else could be renegotiated or you know pre renegotiated if that makes sense you know like ahead of time so it's not the longest so i feel like that's fair what would be worse is that if they made it a 10-year thing and said all right well we're not gonna raise the salary cap for five years you know what i mean yeah it could certainly always be worse i hear you but uh i mean yeah that's all i really have to say though awesome and for those who don't know 
the NHL is going to have a Stanley Cup playoff qualification round and round robin. So kind of what the NBA is doing as far as figuring out seeding and who gets to play who in the actual Stanley Cup playoffs. So definitely an accelerated rate. And there's going to be two hub cities. One is going to be in Toronto for the Eastern Conference in the NHL. And the other is going to be in Edmonton for the Western Conference in the NHL. So that's kind of where they're at. And there's also been some encouraging news as out of as of July 13th to July 17th, there were 2,618 tests administered to over 800 players and only two positive coronavirus tests came back. And both of those players have since self-isolated and quarantined. So good news as far as sports looking to safely return on the NHL front. Yeah, I mean, for now that is. <laughs> <laughs> as positive as we can't be and realistic but yeah 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 i mean two positive tests is pretty encouraging and the nba just said that there were zero positive positive tests for people inside the bubble so that's that true. is that is some good news and kind of got to transition pretty hard now in some other good news mlb opening day is in three days now i uh no, I'm my my boy Jesse isn't here, fellow uh, baseball guy, even bigger baseball guy than me. But we're gonna do our best to kind of walk through these opening games with y'all. And so on Thursday night, there's only two games. One that I'm way more excited for than the other. Um, the first game to kick off the do you call it a kickoff in baseball? Anyways, <laughs> the first game is the New York Yankees at the Washington Nationals. So you have the defending World Series champs against the American League Championship Series runner-ups to open up the season. That's going to be really exciting. We're going to see Max Scherzer versus Garrett Cole, who are two of the biggest names in the pitching game. The With Garrett Cole winning a World Series two years ago, well, I should say, quote, won a World Series because, you know, played for the Astros. but And the Nationals, who just won a World Series this past year and followed by that is the giants and the dodgers who no one cares about because we're rockies fans here and for all my colorado listeners your opening game is colorado rockies at texas rangers so obviously this will be a really different environment because opening day is you know i'd say it's almost a holiday here in america where you know people like no baseball game really means as much than opening day until you get into the playoffs. Like it is the most important day in baseball. It's kind of like the Daytona 500 in NASCAR. And oh, <clears throat> uh, Rockies versus Rangers. Yeah, Rockies versus Rangers. Oh, you gonna start being a Rangers fan now because you found? What out do you mean? Start for, being? Because you found out the Astros were cheaters, bro. I was never an Astros fan. I just had their gear. That was involuntarily. That was involuntarily. This was years ago, back when they sucked, and people would literally just give out Astros gear because nobody cared, even though their logo is pretty fire back then. But you know, so I don't care that much about baseball. But I, was, I mean, I watch it though. 
You want to put a lunch down on this Rockies Rangers game? Ooh. Is it not a series? Well, the schedule is a bit different this right. year where you're only going to get to play, um, well, it's 60 games instead of 162. So they cut 100 games straight off the top and they're going to play regional schedules where, um, so they're going to face four teams in their division 10 times and then play 20 games against interleague teams in their region. So it's not going to be really the same thing. Right. I don't think so, that it's going to be a series. So you have Rockies at Rangers there. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it is a series. We face you guys Friday okay. and Saturday and maybe Sunday. Uh. I mean, it's really weird saying that um, you know, it, it's at Texas, but it's not going to be the same because there's not going to be fans there. So yeah, it's kind of crazy that they're still traveling, though. I thought they were going to do a, a bubble type of situation or not. Yeah. So, OK, so do you want to put lunch down on the series then? Yeah, I bet. Let's do it. All right, cool. You heard it here first. Rockies are going to win this. <laughs> I have no idea how good the Rangers are, though. So, oh, you, know. you just signed yourself away, Simon. I mean, for for the, for the Rock you just gave up ten bucks, dude. The the it's Rockies really are nothing to write home about last year. So, you know, it's it's fairly even, I'd say, between these two teams. I mean, is it? What if someone tests positive for COVID uh, for COVID right before the game? Dude, you need to stop speaking that into the air because I just want sports, dude. Like, come on. <laughs> I mean, just, sports will just, happen. Let me have one weekend oh, yeah. of baseball, dude. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Bet. So are the is hold up, the whole series is gonna be in Texas? Yeah. So the teams are playing regionally. So just for example, um, I'll go through and talk just kind of the Rocky schedule. So we got at the Rangers, at the Oakland A's. The Padres don't really count because they're in our division and we're going to, you get to face everyone in your division. And then we have, well, there's also the Giants. Then we have the Mariners and then the Rangers again, Astros, Dodgers, D-backs, Padres, Padres. Like it's, it's all going to be the same teams, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Like the Rockies are stuck on the West coast. So we won't be facing like the Yankees this year. Right. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, so basically the Rocky schedule will be looking a lot like the Rangers one is what you're saying. Yes and no. So it'll be a lot of division games more than anything. So like right. we're going to play just like in just like the normal season, right? We're going to play the Padres, Dodgers and the Giants the most and the Diamondbacks the most. And then there's just little other games scattered in through there. So for us, it's the A's, the Angels the Rangers, um, the Mariners, just because they're all kind of Western region, the Astros, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I get it. I get it now. All right. Well, well, I'll still put lunch on it. Cool. Cool. And then, mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but the MLB is going to use crowd noise and, sounds from mlb the show the video game 
over their loudspeakers to try and like simulate that fans are there. Um. Okay. I'll. We'll see how that sounds or looks like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that, but all right. What What's got you uh, questioning? I guess let's get your guys' thoughts on this because it's definitely kind of like they're trying, but it's kind of weird, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm. I mean, you know that that's cool. I guess like so. There's no fans gonna be there. There's not gonna be any fans there, obviously, right? So. I, I get it, but it, I, I don't know. I think there'll just be a little bit of a disconnect, like visually and, um, uh, oh my gosh, what's the other word? Audio wise as well, I guess. I gotta, like, I, it depends how they do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends how they do it. So they'll be playing it in the stadium, not like on the broadcast, right? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit better and whatnot, but I, we'll see. Like I, we have never seen something like this before, except for maybe in like video games. And even that, that's weird to me too. When that's happened a few times, it has like glitching out and whatnot. So, um, we'll just have to see. Liam, what do you think of using video game noises and soundtrack for, for the real thing? I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I mean, it's, it's obviously going to feel a little bit weird, right? But it's, uh, decent workaround you know it might even be noisier than it's ever been in uh <laughs> in mlb games especially like just standard season games because you know i i think we've all we all here have been to to a game and it's just like yeah there's not really a whole lot going on people are usually talking to themselves even when like a even when something big kind of happens you know right yeah i mean part of that is just like kind of rocky's culture right but like but, but I, I get what you're saying yeah so i think i don't know it'll be it'll be funny and it'll be interesting because it'll probably be louder than it's ever been i wonder what the over under is on that <laughs> yeah, right. that would be kind of interesting to look into actually but do y'all think that if it's too weird that they'll just you know cut it the rest of the season and not make it a thing anymore Dude, I just think it'd be really weird to play baseball in like a really quiet stadium. <laughs> like, yeah, you have the team. Just gotta be louder. I mean, you're right, but like, it's still weird. IMO. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but like, if it is, if it is weird though, and it sounds super unnatural and looks weird, and it's like, I, mean, I can't see this hurting ratings, but maybe when NBA comes on, it might hurt ratings. But if it's like hurting ratings, like, do you think they'll ride it out and just be like, I, you know, we're, we've already played it for two games. So now we got played for the next 63. Well, <laughs> they're not, they're not going to do it if the ratings are bad, but I, I don't, I just yeah. genuinely don't think that the ratings are going to get worse. Like, I feel like they're yeah. probably going to be at an all time high and they could, they could be playing circus music in the background. Because people are just so thirsty for sports. Me included. Yeah, you Sorry. especially. <laughs> what? I don't know what that means. What that but, mean? <laughs> but anyways, um, you guys have any more thoughts on MLB opening weekend? Y'all better watch it so that, we, so that we have a segment next week. When is it? Did what you day? drop the times? Yeah, drop the times. Oh my gosh, bro. It's like happening all day. 
Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's too much for me. We're just talking Rockies games. Then I just want to know the Rangers get Rockies game, you know? All right. Well, the first one is at six o'clock on Friday, then two o'clock on Saturday, and then noon 30 on Sunday. Thanks. Oh, we'll see. Noon 30, 2 30. Man, we really go from prime time to like wake up to watch this game, don't we? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. It happens. Well, yeah. All sports. right. It's sports. We'll take it. So that does it for this segment. Coming up next, top five defensive linemen of all time. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cycle 365. Uh, with this next segment, we're going to be talking about the top five defensive linemen in NFL history. Uh, I guess I'll just go first. I might as well list them off. Uh, I'll go five to number one. So I'll give you my uh, my crazy stuff first. At number five, I have Michael Strahan, defensive lineman for the Giants. Number four, I got Alan Page, part of the people, people Purple People Eaters. Good Lord. Number three, I got Deacon Jones, uh, who played for primarily the Rams, the LA Rams at the time. Uh, number two, Reggie White. Number one, Bruce Smith. Interesting. Whoa. All right. Simon, um, Simon, you hit the whoa on that one. What does your five look like? I mean... What's interesting is that I have four of the same players, but they're all in different spots except for except for one, I'm pretty sure. But I'll just go ahead. Okay. So at number five, I got Deacon Jones. Number four, I have Alan Page. At number three, I have Mean Joe Green. Number two, I have Bruce Smith. And at number one, I have Reggie White. So Simon, you and I have the exact same five players, but in a different order. Okay. <laughs> so, and we talked a little bit before this segment for those listening and decided this was probably one of the easier lists to put together. So I'll go from five to one. I have Alan Page, number five, Bruce Smith, number four, Mean Joe Green, number three, Deacon Jones, number two, and Reggie White, number one. Oh, okay. Well, All right. Let's, let's let's start from the top then. Um, you had Reggie White at the top, is that correct, Cody? Yeah, Reggie White, the goat. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, you know the Minister of Defense, the Minister of Defense. Um, I honestly couldn't have seen many other people at number one, except for maybe Bruce Smith was your number one. Is that right, Liam? Yeah, Bruce Smith was my number one. Okay. I, I mean, I I can't really argue with that. But where did you put Reggie White though? Uh, Reggie White was number two. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, then why do you think... He, yeah, yeah. Well, why do you think he's uh, number two then? Reggie White? Yeah. Well, okay. So if I'm being fair and honest, it was I would personally put them both tied for first. Okay. Um, but can't do that. Um, and so I think Bruce Smith just wins it on stats. So Re Bruce Smith has... Um, 1,225 tackles, 200 sacks. The only player in NFL history, as we all know, to have 200 sacks. 
43 forced fumbles. Reggie White has, um, I believe, 1,100 some odd tackles. 198 sacks, yeah. so the second of all time, and 33 forced fumbles. So, not like I mean, we're we're talking minuscule differences per per season. It's it's the difference between like five five sacks a season or five tackles a season total and and one fumble per season. But Bruce Smith put up better numbers ultimately. That's fair. Um, I mean, you know, he, he still edges them out, so I, I see that. I put Reggie White at number one because of that Super Bowl championship. You know, and I know that might not be as fair for a lineman. I, we've talked about that, but they definitely play a role. And I mean, you know, Bruce Smith did go to three. He just didn't win any of them. Right. So. He went to. He went to four, didn't he? He might have even gone to four. Hey, how? Didn't the Bills lose four in a row? They, I thought it was only three. Oh, oh, either way, he didn't win a Super Bowl, and that's the point I'm making. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, they lost four. Oh, okay. In so, yeah, row. so he lost four. He's 0 and 4, while Reggie White is, I, I actually don't know what that stat is, at least one in something. So. <laughs> there you go but I, that's fair though because their stats are pretty similar i mean they're both pretty good players they longevity wise they've played for a really long time um i mean they both have more than 10 pro bowls which is pretty impressive for a defensive lineman so okay i mean i can't really argue with that i think that's fair i would have put bruce i i thought about putting him at number one but championships speak to me so that's fair and I think something that's important for the championship to mean as much as it does for Reggie White is that he holds the record for most sacks in a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's also very fair. So not only did did his team win the Super Bowl, but he did his part and even went above and beyond. Well, okay, not above and beyond Reggie White standards because, you know, one of we're, we're talking best defensive lineman of all time, but... He did what he needed to do to secure that Super Bowl win for the Packers against the Pat. So, yeah, I mean that's that's totally fair. Wait, you you said you meant with the Packers, right? Yeah. Did I say okay, again? Okay. I I think so, but I wasn't sure if you. Okay. But yeah, no, for sure. And and just with Reggie White, he was. Okay, he wasn't like revolutionary with the moves he used as a defensive lineman, but he was most definitely a master at just being real technical and just good at breaking a guy down with his arms and hands, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, it's probably not super revolutionary because he did play in the 90s and one season in 2000, but still, it still counts for something. There are plenty of players that you know, watches film, modern day players, that is, watches film and, uh, you know, uh, take after his technicality. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, so I put, I, di I didn't really talk about Bruce Smith as much, but he, he's number four on my list. And it's not disrespect to Bruce Smith. It's more a kudos to the guys in front of him. And everyone had... I believe everyone had Deacon Jones on their list, right? Yeah. Yep. So wait, where did you guys have him again? 
I had Deacon at uh, number three. Number three? Yeah. Cool. Adam at five. <laughs> See, and I we're kind of all over the place on Deacon because I put him at number two. And I think a huge reason for me putting him at number two is the fact that he got 173 and a half sacks. Now, this is unofficial, but this is watching back through film, right? So yeah. it might as well be. And the only reason that it's unofficial is because Deacon Jones came up with the term sack for destroying a quarterback. And he was a mean dude and he changed the way that the game was played because you're not allowed to just straight up sock somebody in the helmet anymore as a part of your pass rushing skill set. You know, you have rip, win, <laughs> and bull rush. You don't have punch anymore because Deacon Jones was so good at it. And it said that he had over 20 sacks in multiple seasons, and it's just hard to keep track of that because he played so long ago. But I think just the fact that he revolutionized the game, came up with the term sack, and was just a different breed of players, what puts him at number two for me, especially in an era that didn't have as much passing. That's fair. Honestly, Deacon Jones was somebody I looked up to as a young pass rusher, which is kind of interesting why he's at five. But just by my standards, I'm going by stats and championships mostly and, you know, MVPs and whatnot. So that's why he's at five. But no doubt he's most definitely one of the best defensive linemen of all time, though. And um, quick story here, quick story. So <laughs> I I, rem- I forgot what it was specifically. But you know how NFL like network runs, what is it? Those old films or videos on older players, right? Doing like top ten defensive linemen of all time. Like, do you remember? Yeah, those? I know exactly. You even yeah. said it the way that the guy says it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's iconic. But I remember seeing Deacon, and I'm like, dang, that's kind of dope. And like, I most definitely forgot that you know it's kind of illegal to smack your. Uh, the blocker, <laughs> not upside the head, but at the side, like in, in the ear hole, because I most definitely did it for like a whole middle school game. For that game, I was playing mostly defensive tackle or I was a, you know, middle linebacker blitzing the middle. So nobody really saw, but I did it a lot. So shout out to the, you know, centers and guards that took a couple punches from me, a former boxer oh <laughs> to the head. Cause I most definitely had like three or four sacks uh in in that game but uh yeah yeah i had to do it <laughs> i really didn't have you to really it, did it to him bro yeah. <laughs> it's, the guys, it's, the guys hey. probably went home and they're like man i got punched today intimidation factor. If, if the refs were paying attention then maybe they could have stopped it but they didn't and it wasn't <laughs> until after the game and i like told a friend he was like bro you know that's kind of illegal right and i'm like what do you mean that's kind of illegal and and then he like showed me the rest of the clip or whatever <laughs> uh because the clip i watched was apparently cut off so oops i was like well yeah of course it's illegal that's how i play <laughs> <laughs> i mean hey them them old school cowboys there's a reason everyone thought we were thugs but anyways Nothing against Deacon. He's just at five for me based on my standards um, with this list. That's fair. Liam, do you have anything to add on about the young, well, not so young, uh, Deacon Jones? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, he's, he's great. 
He's at number three. He's uh, he was uh, he was a force. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and, and, I, and that's why was, the he's also a, a personality. Yes. <laughs> True, and and that's why you know that that's another reason he's at number two is the sack leader uh, award is named after him. So it's it, it is even it's though boy. he is not the sack leader. <laughs> Yeah, but that's still pretty good for Backland. I mean, if if they used Deacon Jones's statistics, he'd be the single season sack leader by like three and a half sacks. It's <laughs> true. He unofficially got twenty six one season, and that was in a shorter season too. Dang, howdy, that's crazy. Isn't he? Wouldn't he be third if uh, those unofficial sacks counted? Yeah, my, he'd be third. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, shout out to him. If there was any revolutionary on this list, I think Deacon Jones is the older oldest player on my list. So there you go. Yeah, I think he's the oldest on every all of our lists. Yep. Okay. So we're on the same page with that. Yeah. Alright. Um moving forward though. Did any I'm trying to remember, did y'all include Mean Joe Green on any of y'all's list? I did. I did not. Yeah. Number, I think okay. you and I both have him at number three, dog. Yeah, we both do. All right. So, Liam, once again, how come you didn't have uh, <laughs> this lineman at this spot? Uh, well, spot? it's it's no disrespect to Mean Joe Green. He's he's one of the best, and he's in my uh, honorable mentions, obviously. But um, I felt like there needed to be a little bit of recency bias and a little bit of like anti-recency bias so I put, that's why i put michael strahan right there yeah. um just because i think that as we continue to look back and as we continue to get older and further away from strahan i think we'll see that he was um or could or should be a top five guy in my opinion all right well that is fair okay that's fair i i could i could believe it i mean that's your standards for the list so i respect that um yeah. i put mean joe green here because obviously i'm a steelers fan and he made pittsburgh steelers football culture if i'm just being honest because the steelers were a bunch of losers before he came around also shout out to north texas uh the mean green i have a ton of people who go to that school which is also where mean joe green is from by the way and uh yeah so i had to put him up here you know he's somebody i've personally always looked up to as one of the best defensive linemen of all time you know he was up there with deacon jones as older guys i looked up to for sure and yeah he made pittsburgh steelers um a culture he made them a new culture i should say and won them four super bowls is i'm pretty sure right yeah four yeah. super bowls so that's the most that might actually be more than anybody else combined on this list than everybody else combined on this list on my list at least yeah yeah he was uh he was great i mean the only thing that you can maybe hold against joe green is that he only had about 78 and a half sacks 79. that's fair As i have him here everybody else on the list who passes 150 or gets close to it he was an yeah. interior defensive lineman yeah yeah so, so, I mean, I have him here more for the culture than anything, to be honest. Sure. Well, if uh, 
You guys are wondering if Joe Green deserves to be on this list after hearing Simon just admit that he's really biased and that's why he's up here. Let me tell you why Mean Joe Green is number three on my list. Something that goes overlooked for Joe Green is that he's a two-time Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Simon already mentioned he's a four-time Super Bowl champion. He was also an eight-time All-Pro and a ten-time Pro Bowler. So, you know, he also had durability and Simon kind of talked about it. So we've had a bunch of people who have been from the this Steelers 70s dynasty. But Mean Joe Green is the face of it for me because without Joe Green, there's no Steel Curtain. There's no, and then there's no Terry Bradshaw winning four Super Bowls. You know, it, it was the Steel Curtain that defined Steelers football and a lot of the NFL throughout the 1970s. So, True. you know, I think Joe Green is the reason that we talk about guys like Jack Ham and stuff like that. So that's what it means to me is he was the most dominant player on one of the best teams in NFL history back in the 70s. So along with those two time defensive player of the years, which yeah. is basically the same amongst most of these guys on this list. Hey, what do you mean the same? Like, like a lot of these guys have our two time defensive player of the year winners. Oh, okay. Okay. I got you. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I knew you'd bring all that up. The accolades speak for himself. I think as far as being the most decorated accolade wise, he's, he's most, definitely up there you know stat wise that's really the only thing you could hold against him but other than that he's a champion he's played for a while he changed the whole culture i mean the steelers would have four less super bowls if it wasn't for him and he most definitely was one of the obviously you know shout out to chuck Noll and everyone else and that whole family but he was most definitely part of you know turning around this team and making the steelers into the type of franchise it is today so yeah that's fair. Yeah, that's all I got to say about it. So, so does that just leave Alan Page as far as the last guy that we all have on our list? Yeah, yes. as as far as uh, who we all have on our list together. So, Liam, why don't you tell us about the uh, the Duke of the Purple People Eaters? Well. Like we've said before, like I messed up a couple times, he was one of the Purple People leaders, 148 and a half sacks, um, nine-time Pro Bowler, which is pretty good. And, I mean, looking back in, at history, I don't think anybody ever, I don't think there was an offense who really relished going up against that Vikings defense. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> And, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that those Viking defenses took that team to four Super Bowls, and he was the only one of, of the Vikings to... Or he was one of 11 Vikings to have played in all four. Which, um, I mean, it's just kind of crazy. Kind of crazy what, the, what those defenses were able to do. And no, even though they didn't win any of those Super Bowls, they still um, got there obviously yeah no for sure and i mean this is just a side note but he was also the first african-american justice to serve on the minnesota supreme court it's yeah. pretty interesting i don't think you see that every day from any of these players to be honest so 
he might be the only NFL player to ever become a, uh, a justice. Might actually be true. It's pretty impressive. I mean, I respect it a lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Big respect shout out to lot. his uh, to his his career after football. Very. Uh, he might have the most prestigious career after football of any of any person. Of any person. I mean. I mean, it, as far as like what he's done, you know. Yeah. 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 No. Facts. Facts. Okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. Uh, where did y'all have him at again? What did we all have him at four? I had him at five. I had him at four. Okay. So basically the same page. I mean, no offense to him. They're just some better players. You know, he did his thing, though. Did his thing. But there were some better players. Not only that, though, but he he also worked on the construction team that built the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The man built the Pro Football Hall of Fame where he would later be enshrined. This guy did it all. He did it all. Yeah, I respect that. I respect that. Okay, hey. He went out. He grabbed the ingredients. He <laughs> he he warmed up the stove. He cooked the food, and then he ate. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. More NFL yeah. players should have uh, post careers like Alan Page. That's real impressive. No cap. Yeah. Cap at all. And I also want to give Alan Page a shout out for being one of two defensive players to ever win NFL MVP and the only defensive lineman to ever do it. And also if they counted all of his sacks, he would have 173, which would be miles ahead of any other defensive tackle. Yeah. So dude was a hog for sure. All right. All right. He's my number one. You've convinced me. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, M- MVPs are pretty elite. MVPs are pretty elite. So. MVPs are pretty elite. I mean, to be up there with Lawrence Taylor, and obviously still be the only uh, the only lineman on there. Man, if only True. he won literally one Super Bowl, he yeah. might be he might be number one for me if he literally won once. That's fair. Same, actually, just one would have been good enough to throw him up there. To be honest. Yeah, he's also potentially the only NFL player to have the Presidential Medal of Freedom, at least. Uh, from Donald Trump? Yeah, from Donald Trump. Uh, but I mean, might... It's still a medal. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, but he might be... I don't know if uh, Pat Tillman got it posthumously. He might have. But he would be the only person that I could think of. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, also... Okay, okay, okay. I respect it. I respect it. He would honestly be someone who I would put number one. Also, 173 sacks. Isn't that the same exact number as Deacon Jones? It's half a sack less. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> All right, that's interesting. And why don't they just go but, back and make it official? Oh, well, that's fine. But yeah, I know, right? I'd do that job. I would do that. Yeah, just watch. Dude, uh, are you kidding me? We just yeah. watch film all day. <laughs> Get out the Man. tally sheet, dude. Oh, pay me. I would do that for minimum wage, no cap. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, as long as I could work like over forty a week. <laughs> like yeah. you don't even have to. Pay me, you don't even have to pay me overtime. You know what I'm saying? Just like <laughs> fit like sixty hours a week minimum wage to watch NFL films. Let's yes. get it. Congrats, NFL. We just created some new jobs for y'all that we hope to, you know, fill. Yeah, you need to call us first. 
<laughs> they, they're not going to do that. But yeah, that's. I always thought that was kind of weird because I know in NBA, like they tally up points and rebounds and stuff like that, though, don't they? It's like yep, official. Yeah. Bruh. I mean, if you got the film, go for it, I guess. But if you don't have like the angle of like, I know there is some film, like older film, at least in football games, where you don't have like the right angle to see what went down. Because y'all, y'all know the immaculate reception, right? Oh, we know the immaculate yeah. reception. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I just realized this after watching Payton's places that they never have an angle of like, of like you know the back of uh, the offense of the actual back. reception. Yeah. I always thought that was weird. I just thought they cut out weirdly, you know, and I, mean, I don't know. It didn't matter because we lost the next week, but it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Hey, hey, y'all beat yeah. the Raiders, so it was a catch, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was a thousand percent a catch. For but sure. I think, um, Liam, you said that you have uh, Mean Joe Green on your honorable mentions, and I think I, sure. I don't want to speak for Simon. But I'd assume Michael Strahan is on your honorable mention list as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Now I'm still a little. Uh, I'm a little on the line about his 22 and a half sacks, but you know, it is what it is. About Why? that last one, you mean? Yeah, the last one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Would have got him either way, though. Mm. Probably. Probably. <laughs> he probably would have. I mean, Bro, it's Brett Favre. If, if Favre and him weren't buddy buddies, dude, there's no way. Like, Favre is <laughs> like, Bro. dog. How old was Favre, Favre in 2001? Is he in his 30s at 2001? all? He got it in 2007, didn't he? No, 2001. 2007 oh, yeah. is when okay. Strahan retired. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> after he got Favre. that one ring. Yeah, Favre, yeah. Favre was maybe 28 in 2001. 29 okay so maybe he would have whatever i mean he would have he would have got him probably <laughs> if it's one less it's still in the record book as number two of all time you know plus he's a super bowl champion so there you go and honestly without him in that super bowl team there is an undefeated patriots team in the world yes which is nothing that any of us would ever be able to allow that's why True. he's in my top five fair yeah you gotta include him um are we going honorable mentions right now yes sir okay um maybe i'm just super biased but there are like three dallas cowboys players that i left off the list um just because i can uh, they're still pretty good <laughs> one, so i'm just gonna name both of them one is randy white and the other is bob lilly both of them kind of did the same I, I would say pretty close to the same thing that Joe Green did for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but in turn for the Dallas Cowboys, you know, I'm pretty sure both of them were at least at one point or another were coached by Tom Landry and were part of that doomsday defense or something. Maybe not Randy White, but Bob Lilly, I'm pretty sure. Dude, Randy White started one year after Bob Lilly, and they were both dogs, so. Yeah. Those guys are yeah. just... Andy White won co-MVP of the Super Bowl. One. So what? It was against the Broncos, bro, with... Well, exactly. Oh was it Craig <laughs> Craig Morton? Was that our quarterback? Something. Yeah. So whatever, dude. We don't remember him. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fine. He's but, yeah, I, but, but they were dogs. They yeah. were dogs. I had to include both of them, though. You know how it is. 
I'm gonna take this time to plug my boy Julius Peppers, though. Yeah. Who I kind of, as far as like modern pass rushers go, I put him a little bit ahead of Strahan, just because he was able to play for like a little bit longer. I'm pretty sure. Let's see, 14 years to uh, 17 years. Yeah, or 15 years. Has so, he retired yet? No, he yeah, he retired. He retired. Are you sure? Yes. Can we get I'm, a uh, can we get a fact check on that? <laughs> bro, he's not okay, playing I'm in kidding. I'm he's not playing in 2018, Brev. <laughs> but yeah, he's fourth all time in career sacks. He also has 52 forced fumbles, which I'm pretty sure is more than Bruce Smith or Reggie White, as well as 11 picks and six touchdowns. And like it, it wasn't that he was an outside linebacker who would come down to D-line. He was a defensive end that would stand up and drop into coverage because he was just so damn tall and athletic. Wait, I thought we had Julius Peppers on our linebackers list. Did we? I don't, I don't want to go all the way back and find it. I thought I did, at least. And then there might have been a dispute there, so... I mean, it's 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 a back and forth thing, so. But Julius Peppers was a dog. I just needed to say his name. No doubt. Uh, where where would y'all say JJ Watt is right now? Uh, I mean, I would put him at number eight through ten. I mean, really? he's he's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year, but like, bro. Like, his first five years in the NFL were, like, literally the best. And I think that he should have won MVP in 2014. Yes. Like, I really think he should have won MVP in 2014. But, like, bro, he hasn't done anything since. So, like, it's it's really hard. Maybe at, like, 10. But if he stayed at the same pace that he did for those first five years, he'd probably be, like, he'd end up being number one of all time. Well... If JJ gets traded to the Steelers and gets reunited with his other two brothers and they win a oh Super Bowl, what would he be then? Bro, if he wins a Super Bowl. If he wins a Super Bowl, save um, it for save it for the what if segment coming up next. All right, okay, okay, <laughs> mine, but okay. While that, while that would be cool, yeah, save it for the what if. I mean, that would be the first three brothers to ever be on the same team to win a Super Bowl. It's really specific, but you know. <laughs> so that's like that's like when they bring up that stat where like the Colquitt brothers punted against each other, and every time every game they're like, they have just beaten the record for most games. Uh, brothers have punted against each other. And it's like, yeah, of course they have. They played twice a year in the same, or they played twice a year in the same division, and they had the record within like literally two games. So like, <laughs> but they bring it up every time. Oh. Too. Okay. Um, were there any other honorable mentions for y'all? I have a couple, but I'll just go list them off. Yeah, go ahead and do that because they're probably just going to be the same. I'll just give a thumbs up for it. Yeah, so I had Warren Sapp. Um, I, I mean, that goes without saying. Super Bowl champion, big part of that Tampa Bay defense. John Randall from. I think most notably the Minnesota Vikings, I'm pretty sure. Excuse yes, me, sir. And then 
Richard Dett, part of that Chicago uh, Bears defense. Charles Haley, who I'm pretty sure was a... Dang, was he a five-time champion? That's kind of crazy. Yeah, he has five... Okay, so Charles Haley and Tom Brady are the only two players in NFL history to win at least five Super Bowl rings, which is pretty insane. Also, he's part of the 100 sack club, so there you go. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's Jason Taylor, I guess. Not, he really never had a chance to be in here, in my opinion, but I mean, oh. no. He's there. Dang, bro, you didn't have to drag him <laughs> like that. Look, I just, I've always thought Jason Taylor was a little overrated. That's it, just a, just a little bit. Just a little? Yeah. Or, you know. Not a lot of. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> the only guy that I'd say you're missing is Merlin Olsen. But maybe. Oh, I'd yeah. I'd, yeah, my bad. I scrolled past him. Um, <laughs> yeah, Merlin Olsen, for sure. He's an, he's an old head, so he's up there. Yeah. Liam, did we miss anybody? Um, I don't think so. I mean, probably, like, but I don't, I don't really think so. Hey, Vince Wilfork. Vince Wilfork. There we go. Vince Wilfork like, is a dog. Yeah, he yeah. could be up here if he wants to. That's fair. Dude, why not Big Alfred Williams for that late 90s Bronco teams? No, I'm just playing. He runs a great radio show, though, so. And and he is he's he was good at the time. I don't know who that Please is. Please notice but, me, Big right. <laughs> well, coming up next, favorite sport, what ifs. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Cycle 365. This is our last segment, and we have a really fun one. This one could get really deep, too. But I think we're going to limit it to at least one scenario per person. But what we're doing here, we're going to talk about our favorite what ifs of all time. And this is sports. You know, for uh, some of our fans out there, I've, I'm pretty sure we've mentioned it. I guess we've only mentioned it once on the show. But we, I think it was a conversation between Cody and I about Dave Damashek's Damashek? Dave Damashek's uh, what if hell. Or no, that's not it. NFL, <laughs> where they basically follow, you know, one of scenarios, and he goes on a pretty big rabbit show. They're, they're so entertaining. They're great. Um, the dying breed because you know he's not gonna make any more. Sadly, but I miss those, dude. Boom, me too. But we're gonna do a little bit of that here. But instead of just football, I assume it's gonna be all sports. So, uh, yeah. Do, so who wants to go first talking about their favorite what if scenario of all time if uh, and here actually let me backtrack real quick so the rules with this is that i guess not really the rules but it's a scenario or alternate reality that you would like to have seen i guess so yeah but um i mean do either of y'all want to go or i could go you can go ahead and go yeah you go ahead okay Okay, this one this one's pretty out there, but I have another one just in case. Um, I didn't do a whole ton of research into it because there really wasn't any way, but I, I had to really think about it, okay? So, <clears throat> mine is, what if there had been no color barrier in sports since the beginning of time? So what I'm saying, that, that, that one's pretty tough. You know, that one's pretty tough. 
because that changes sports history in every sport altogether. Because basically what you're saying is that there is no racism or prejudice in sports, which, you know, considering this is all really just a game, I feel like it really shouldn't be that big of a deal, but it was that big of a deal. But that's mine. And I think that one's really interesting because honestly, if anybody was allowed or had the same resources and access to play different sports, we could potentially see drastic um, changes in sports histories. There could be certain championships and dynasties that would not have existed if people of color or whoever were allowed to play that sport in basketball and most definitely in football. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that one, that one's a lot. I mean, we could dive into that, but what, what do y'all have to say about that one though? I mean, I feel like (laughs) that is yeah. (laughs) the first name that came to my mind was Babe Ruth because that is something that a lot of people bring up as far as Babe Ruth's dominance was he played in a very limited um, Major League Baseball. So I (laughs) that that would change all of baseball's history, you know, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know where Babe Ruth would be and the entire game of baseball if, if that had been allowed. So there would be some new goats of all time, to be honest, or at least some new goats of each generation, if right. that was if that was the case. Because uh, I'm just saying, you could go back to the 30s and whatnot of the NFL, and I could guarantee you that there's a better player. There was probably a better guy who could play wide receiver than. You know, um, Don Hudson from Alabama, you know, <laughs> just saying, but there probably was that that person was probably too busy getting oppressed. But anyways, Liam, <laughs> <laughs> now how do you go? I want to hear what you got first. So my w- what if scenario is going to be a bit more on the micro level than than Simon's. <laughs> But it's it's about baseball, and it's if Ted Williams didn't go fight in World War II. So Ted Williams, he is one of the best hitters of all time. I'm pretty sure he still has the record for most for highest batting average in a season, which was 406. So like almost half the time when he went up to the plate, as far as a full season goes, he'd hit the ball. So, but. He was 23 in 1942, and he didn't come back to baseball until 1946. And basically after 1949, he didn't play over 150 games, and his amount of games got less and less. So you could argue that his prime ages of 24 to 26, you know, right there in that prime would skyrocket him up all-time list. So it has all-time implications, but just not the same kind, because... I mean, he has the second best career sluggage percentage of all time. And that was with missing his three best years. He's 20th all time in runs scored. And you're telling me that, you know, he averaged like over 120 runs scored every single season. And if he had three more of those, you're telling me that he might not be like top 10 or his career hits might be higher if he kept playing baseball and his health had been maintained you know so i feel like there's just a lot and baseball is like one of those sports that seriously looks so much at you know like career stats and where you see because like 
you know, be in football or like basketball, if you're like top 10 in points, you know, that means something or top 20. But for baseball, it's like, you know, even being like top 50 is like a huge deal. So Ted Williams being top 20 in a lot of these with a shortened career, you know, brings up the conversation of maybe he could have been the greatest of all time. That's fair. Yeah. I feel like there are maybe not a lot of wars, but there are a couple other situations where, um, you know, that might be the case. You know, history might be a little bit different if it wasn't for World War II or World War One, for that matter. Or Vietnam, which is a... Or Vietnam. I kind of like this. I like this what if thing, and I feel like we could do it more. I feel like there's a, a million what if scenarios. So. There are a lot, for sure. Is that your favorite of all time, or is that just... No, oh, that's the, that's the one that I wanted to talk about today. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, okay, I, I was wondering. That's, that's, hold up. That's another thing that I needed to clarify. I was like, I was like, wait, all time. Like, <laughs> yeah. like there's just there's just so <laughs> many. But that's one like I literally did like a project on Ted Williams back in middle school, and like <laughs> that's that had a huge reason on like what I why I wanted to talk about Ted Williams today. No cap. Sure. Okay. Okay. All right. Makes sense. So, but Liam, what do you, uh, what do you got for us? What I got for you guys. Um, my, my what if scenario would be, what if the Buffalo Bills won all four of their back to back to back to back Super Bowl appearances? Ah, call back to earlier this episode. Well, yeah. Bruce Smith would be the number one defensive lineman of all time. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, he is in my book. I mean, okay. But, <laughs> I mean, that didn't be that condescendingly, but yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, and maybe Jim Kelly is considered the GOAT at quarterback, potentially. He could and, be. Uh, he'd be in the conversation. I mean, let's let's think about it. Andre Reed gets into the Hall of Fame faster. Yep. Yeah. Well, they all do. All of them do. Yeah, all of them get into the because I think like the only first ballots were like Jim Kelly and uh, Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't so. Thurman um, first ballot too. I don't. Thurman Thomas. I don't think he was. Really? But That's maybe maybe I'm wrong. I, I could see why he wouldn't be though. That makes sense. Oh. So and and that maybe changes the all-time list for like running backs too, you know. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, no, I I could see that. You think it would have a culture change on the Bills and they'd be like modern day Pittsburgh Steelers? Oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean at, at that point nobody had ever won three in a row. So four in a row is just insanity you know yeah uh, to think about and still nobody's won three in a row oh, so yeah. that would be that would be a record that would be unbroken for probably the rest of nfl history yeah probably unless unless we get some super dynasty um coming around which hopefully we never see unless it's the broncos but oh you betcha <laughs> oh you betcha um but it, it could be that could be there could definitely be uh, best of all time implications in there. 
What if, Jim, what if we were talking about Jim Kelly right now and we were talking about how Jim Kelly was the best of all time? How'd you, how would you guys feel about that? The best quarterback of all time? The, the first I would, and only quarterback to ever win four Super Bowls back to back to back to back. I would probably I say yes. Go on. Yeah. I mean, prob, I, I would say he's in the conversation, but the thing is if the Bills would have won four Super Bowls in a row... I feel like they might have been able to win maybe one or two more though, since they're already on that roll. Like, you know, obviously we'll never know, but I think that's something that could have been realistic potentially. And if that happened, then yes, no doubt. Interesting. I mean, you never yeah. know, because I mean, like honestly, like if the Bills like went on a crazy um, dynastical is that the word run, then you, that might even affect the patriots dynasty which we all love right and obviously the culture <laughs> would be different and maybe instead of the patriots having as many super bowls they have we could potentially see a more like a uh, pittsburgh steelers uh baltimore ravens type of relationship between the bills and the patriots yeah no? very possible i mean it, it could that could definitely be a scenario that we would be witnessing you know yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like it's really hard to think that they could just win four Super Bowls in a row and then there's like no momentum after that at all. And exactly. Unless everyone gets hurt at all at the same time and it's like career ending. But eh, I, I don't know. I mean, I that's think, kind of why the Bills fell fell apart into, into the annals of history is that they didn't win the right. four Super Bowls. There was no momentum going forward, and there was no legacy gained other than the fact that they were the first to go back to back to back to back, right? Yeah, and lose so, all of them. And lose all of them. So that's, that's but a bunch a big, of clowns, dude. <laughs> that's a big implication, you know, going forward if they had one. That's true. Oh that's a really good one. I like it. Those fans would probably be way more annoying, though. Oh, Bills fans would be <laughs> We'd have well. Yeah. First of all, we'd have the Bills in the AFC East, and we'd have the undefeated Miami Dolphins in the AFC East too. And now we would have True. the Patriots. So the only and maybe even the Jets with the I guarantee oh. it stuff. You know, <laughs> first AFC team to win Super Bowl. I can already hear it. Jim Kelly is the goat. Because <laughs> I yeah. hear it all the time from Boston fans. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Bills fans might be more annoying though, because the Bills Mafia is pretty crazy. You know, imagine if they actually had a successful squad. Yeah, Yo, if they also weren't low key kind of racist sometimes. Well, you know, that's what happens when you live in Buffalo. But I'm not calling <laughs> anybody out. I just realized if the Bills won all of their Super Bowls, the like '90s Cowboys really wouldn't even be a thing. Yeah. No, that's a, that's also a massive uh, thing. Is the implications for like, Detroit Aikman and the company? That's true. And Cowboys so, fans would just be talking about the '70s all the time. Oh God! Oh, they Bills would. Fans would be, <laughs> Bills fans would be the Cowboys fans now. Oh, <laughs> you're, you might be onto something there. You're right. You're right. And then you know the Washington franchise wouldn't have won a Super Bowl, and this would impact LT's legacy. In that Giants Bills Super Bowl, but the Bills really gave everyone in the NFC East, not named the Eagles, a Super Bowl ring. By the way, <laughs> like, yeah, that's how charitable of them. And they got like blown out in every single game except for that Scott Norwood game. 
Yeah, the yeah. first one. I mean, whoops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, right, Buffalo, for making I mean, the rest of us deal with Cowboys fans and their annoying, <clears throat> you know. I don't know, man. You know what I'm saying. Simon, you live with one, so. I live. Yeah, you're right, actually. I live with one. I used to live with two, but yeah. But I think, honestly, though, if Bills fans replace Cowboys fans, then there would really be no, like, difference. It would just be East Coast fans being the way they are. And I don't know I don't know where this hate from East Coast fans came from, but it's always kind of been there. And, you know, if you're a longtime fan, you know that it's always been there for me. So, man, I don't know, even though I'm a Steelers fan. That That's probably why. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Steelers fans be whack too sometimes. I'm not gonna lie. Like I'll be watching videos and I'm like, why did you just do that? Like act act like a person. Adult. Yeah. <laughs> did you say what's that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Right. It is what well, it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Did we want to go one more round, or are we going to call it good here? I got one more, but I'm good with uh, calling it. I have. Time. Okay. I have one more, too. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Do you, Woody, do you want to go one more? We could go one more. We can. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay, I actually have a list. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm going a, I'm to a play the next biggest one on my list to end this strong real quick but my what if of all time is what if cleveland had the best luck in all of sports and became the number one sports town probably replacing boston or la you know whatever side you're on because if they did have the best luck in sports there probably wouldn't be a lot of the miserable things that happened like the shot fumble drive <laughs> oh my god the decision which I, I actually i don't know i mean i think if they had the best of luck low-key the decision was the best thing that could have happened for them because lebron wouldn't have allowed them to get you know a uh top five draft pick unless he just got hurt for a really long time which i really find that hard to believe i don't know but uh basically what i'm saying here is if cleveland had the best luck in sports they would p potentially be you know a top three sports city in the country and the whole culture would be different they're the probably the brands of the 2000s like those brands wouldn't exist there would be uh excuse me there would be uh browns teams that were way better more successful because it's not like a culture of losing that they have to fight in addition to like the actual football game they have to play which is a whole nother thing so that would be a thing the cleveland cavaliers it would affect them as well right because well i mean I don't know if they had the best luck in sports then that would probably mean that Cavs team would win one of those finals um but yeah you know, i mean they did know. win one of those finals they won seven you know seven to six four to three that's the word hey when you don't remember when the Cavs won four to three? Oh, oh, oh no i got i thought you were talking about that 90s team oh no sorry. i was like no <laughs> yeah you're right Right, but more, but more, right? Yeah. Well, I think if Cleveland had better luck, the decision would have never happened because they would have been blessed with an actual talented front office that could have recruited other talents to Cleveland, not named 
like gazillion year old Shaq. Yeah, they could have traded for Kobe. That wouldn't have happened, but you know, <laughs> if that did happen though, Kobe and LeBron on the same team, that would uh, you know, well, really on any so team. Stupid, bro. Like, oh my god. Yeah, it'd be a better version of MJ and Scottie Pippen, but you know, I'm just going leave it at that. <laughs> just saying. Kobe beat the fearsome force of in Boston when LeBron couldn't. Didn't Kobe have Pau Gasol? Maybe. <laughs> um, he also had the goat Lamar Man. Odom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't uh, it. I'm sorry. <laughs> dude, if, okay, another thing. If Cleveland had better sports luck, then the Browns would have never moved and there probably wouldn't even be a Ravens franchise. Yeah, they wouldn't have been sold in the That's first true. place. That's true. There still hey, might be a Ravens franchise, but like, who knows? Not the same. Yeah. One, though. Yeah. Yeah, and then Ray Lewis probably isn't one of the best linebackers of all time. This has like really huge implications. Also, the Chicago Cubs would still not have won a World Series, and I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> hey, wait, why wouldn't Ray Lewis be one of the greatest of all time? He would just be drafted by Cleveland. No, he'd just be a murderer. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, you... You, can, you can cut that part out. <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to cut it out because I think a lot of people feel that way too. But, but, okay, hold up. They really wouldn't have let Ray Lewis get away with it if he was a Cleveland Brown? This Bro, is he good luck Cleveland Browns. They wouldn't, he wouldn't be a Cleveland Brown because they wouldn't have the same pick. What? You mean? Yeah, they would. No, because the Browns would be a better franchise and a better organization, not with that same draft pick. Look, we're saying would... we're saying if the Cleveland Browns had better luck, right? So like, we're implying that they find a way to win games also in the nineties. Pick was Ray Lewis in the draft. He was twenty sixth overall. He was twenty sixth overall. Yeah. Wait, in ninety nine. Yeah. No, wait. Yeah, yeah, no, it was 96. Wait, the Ravens were that good that fast? Yeah. You're kidding. Well, that's just the Cleveland Browns luck. See, those two Super Bowls <laughs> that the Ravens have, those would be Cleveland Browns Super Bowls right now. Mar Jackson would be a Cleveland Brown probably too. Basically, what we're saying is that we're getting rid of this entire Cleveland Browns franchise, like the modern one from 2000 and on, and replacing it with the Ravens franchise. But instead, well, they're well, there'd Browns. be there'd be a domino effect though from the Browns staying instead of moving. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I mean, they could still get Ray Lewis at 26 though. All right, I'll allow or, you it. You know, trade up. Either way, yeah. But either way, you know, the Cleveland Browns become one of the best sports cities in America. Um, the economy probably does way better. People would actually probably want to live in Cleveland. And uh, yeah, and you know, it would be a whole culture change. Not just for like the teams, but like for the city and the community. Like you could see a Cleveland becoming a huge like booming city. Uh, maybe a little bit more similar to what Pittsburgh is right now. I think that's pretty comparable. I don't think they'd be like Boston per se, but yeah, it's mine. That's a good one. Be very interesting. Very, very. Interesting. Would. Liam, you said that uh, you had another one. 
Yeah. You ready for it? Yeah. Yes. What if Tim Tebow stays with the Denver Broncos? That's what I like to hear, baby. All right. If Tim <laughs> stays with the Denver Broncos and he's behind Peyton freaking Manning and he and he's learning how to throw a football the right way and how to make reads and read a defense <laughs> and become a coach on the field, Tim Tebow is ascending the ladder of one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Oh, my gosh. Not really, but actually, I think that he'd... Okay. No, but I think, I think he'd actually be like a serviceable quarterback. Because I don't think, I don't think that Tebow changes his mind on becoming an H back or becoming a running back with Peyton yeah. Manning in town because he's like, bro, just let me learn. And I feel like if given the shot, he might actually learn. But also, I feel like this causes trouble potentially for the Broncos during the year that we win the Super Bowl, where we see Peyton struggle, and then fans don't let, you know, like. Like we had Brock Osweiler. It's easier to bench Brock Osweiler for Peyton Manning in the last game of the season than it is to bench Tebow for Peyton Manning, you know? So we might True. not win a Super Bowl, honestly. Uh, well, I don't know. I think y'all might have still won at least one Super Bowl. I don't know when it would be. It probably wouldn't be Super Bowl 50, but y'all would have won at least one. You're right. Eventually. We would have won Super Bowl 48. 48. Yeah, we would have put Tebow in the Wildcat against the Legion of Boom, and he would have brought the freaking hammer. Isn't that Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, never mind. That is Super Bowl. 48. He would have trucked Richard that. Sherman out of his socks on, on the sideline. You're probably not wrong. Honestly, if Tim Tebow was a success, I think the whole mobile quarterback thing would be uh, more developed by now and like a bigger deal. Like People wouldn't have had questions about Lamar Jackson coming out of the draft. At least, you know, not those kind of questions so yeah. you're saying if tim tebow's good lamar jackson is probably like a top 20 pick or top 10 pick like he should have been absolutely yeah but then does he go to the ravens who built him around him you know what i mean oh mm, he could have there's implications here brothers that's true that's true i mean he could have because then the ravens trade out and then trade back in lamar i remember yeah they did trade back in for lamar because someone traded in at 32, and I thought it was going to be my Steelers, but it wasn't. So, Wait, this was the 2018 draft, right? Yes. I'm just trying to figure out who had what picks, you know? Mm -hmm. Because then maybe that changes something. Uh, the Ravens drafted back, or they traded back to get Lamar at 32. Well, do you think that... Okay. Well, I'm saying, like, if the mobile quarterback thing works out with Tebow and there's no questions surrounding Lamar Jackson, like, he might be an Arizona Cardinal right now at pick number 10 where they took Josh Rosen and then Kyler Murray might be somewhere else. Like, yeah, the dominoes, the dominoes. <laughs> Welcome to the NFL. <laughs> Please don't sue us, Dave Demeshek. <laughs> but also, no, please yeah. make more NFLs. Please. Bro. From one Pittsburgh Steelers fan to another, please. You shared it too. Y'all can both wear um, your bags of shame for like not getting into the playoffs, though. Doesn't matter. We'll get into it this year, but we won't go too deep into that. 
Um, <laughs> Lamar Jackson Loki might be drafted before Sam Darnold if that happened, though. He would probably be a Jet. I mean, like maybe. he should have been. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't get it twisted, though, because Lamar's throwing was still kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Like, like you know, the arm power was there. It was more of an accuracy and, like, you know, we got to tweak the, um, you know, the mechanics a little bit, which he did, and he's still doing right now, which is why he's getting better as a passer. But yeah, but no, yeah, but Lamar Jackson a, would be more of a thing. He's a way smarter player than Darnold was at the time. So, like, yeah. yeah. That's Dude, I think people don't really give Lamar credit for is he's, he's super smart at the same time. Yeah. I think Lamar would look really sick with like green and white glasses on the sideline. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah potentially. That'd be really That'd interesting be though. Because I think Tim Tebow would low-key revolutionize the NFL a little bit. Because I know they kind of went through a mini one, a mini one in like the early 2010s with Cam Newton, RG3, Kaepernick. Cause they all kind of like did their thing that same year anyways, uh, back by Tim Tebow as well though. Oh, sorry. Russell Wilson. You could throw him in there as well. My bad. My bad. But with Tim Tebow as well, it would probably, you know, we know how the NFL is. It would make it that much more normal. And they'd be like, man, the mobile court, the dual threat quarterback is really a thing now, huh? And you know, they'll buy into it because, um, he's white. So yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, how many other white dual threat quarterbacks do you know from this millennium? Uh, Besides Johnny Manziel, Johnny Manziel might be drafted low key a little bit higher too, but yeah, I don't know Josh, about that one. Josh Allen. Josh Allen was drafted pretty high to begin with, though. He, he was, but he is a it dual wasn't, threat white quarterback. It wasn't because of his mobility, though. It was because no, it of his wasn't. Arm. Like the mobility was kind of a yeah. surprise, you know. We were like, "Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh my god, yeah. oh my god, oh my yeah. god." <laughs> I know somebody compared him to Cam Newton, and I was like, uh, <laughs> "I don't know." I wasn't sure about that, but I, I mean, I could kind of see it. I guess he's not a better athlete than Cam Newton, though. Yeah, so, <laughs> I agreed. Uh, <laughs> No I mean, I, well, maybe Johnny Manzo would get drafted higher too. That might be a takeaway there as well. Texans draft Johnny Manzo. Be dope. Oof. What it? Yeah. Johnny Manzo to the Texans with if, Bill O'Brien. Yeah, Look, sure. Assuming that he's playing, you know, well, and that he's not having the issues that Johnny Manzo had. Bill O'Brien made the playoffs with like Ryan Mallett starting like four games, dog. Yeah. Bill O'Brien, not an intelligent um, GM. Not not a good coach or GM, but he's good enough to just get you there. Like yeah. he he's good enough to open the door. He knows how to use the keys to open the door. He yeah. just doesn't know how to walk inside. Like that's fair. Like he can do a lot with nothing, but he can't do much with a lot. <laughs> that might be another... <laughs> that's fair that's fair that might be another what if scenario though with bill o'brien what if bill o'brien was good that bill hey, o'brien I'm, was not a coach i'm going to i'm gonna tweet that as like just like a sneak peek for this upcoming episode <laughs> so go for it but yeah that's a good one though i like that one actually i do that's a good one 
Tim Tebow was entertaining to watch, though. Maybe not the prettiest, but always okay, kind of well, knew talk- like he just get it done. Sorry, yeah, go on. for sure. No, let's let's talk about um, what would happen for the Broncos because we t- we talked about a lot about like what happens otherwise. But what would happen for the Broncos in your guys' mind for that? I mean, we we talked about it. Did like, we? yeah, the Super Bowls. We all would have one at least. I think with Tebow, y'all might. I don't know well, if y'all would win Manning? another one, but you'd contend. You'd contend, though. What about after Manning? Do you think that T- Tebow uh, can learn under Manning? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Loki, he should have. I mean, looking back now, he, he probably should have just you know, sat behind Manning for what, what was it, like three or four seasons? And then, yeah. you know? Four seasons afterwards. That's kind of a lot now that I'm thinking about I it. I mean, he would have been like 27, 28. Yeah, it would be a it would be more of a contract thing by that point though. It would be like, well, hold up, like I can't get more money because I can't prove myself because you know Peyton Manning's in front of me. So like, why should I sign another contract with y'all unless I get like some sort of guarantee or it's like a ridiculous contract? Hmm. Very interesting. So yeah, but I I think if y'all did find a way to keep him around, um. Y'all, I won't say y'all would win a Super Bowl, but y'all could most definitely contend. You also never know, because maybe Tim Tebow turns into a fantastic passer, passer and is like, you know, a, a Lamar, a, uh, sorry, like a Lamar Jackson type or a Michael Vick type, you know. But I yeah. could see y'all contending for sure, like making the playoffs, having probably more fun games, less tears, but, you know, more more memories for sure. I don't know about a Super Bowl though. That might be a little. I don't know. That might be stretching it just just a little bit. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. What do you? What did you? I mean, what do you think about you know, post Manning with Tebow? So the we ended up trading away our fourth round pick that we got for Tebow, and we traded that fourth round pick for a defensive end and a tackle who weren't on our team like two years later so <laughs> okay so, so like it didn't matter the tebow trade really didn't do a single thing for the broncos <laughs> so like okay, you know we'd have different picks which might be nice and hopefully we wouldn't draft sly williams in the first round not that he played bad but he just wasn't a first rounder no he really wasn't yeah Dude, oh, no any. What? Do you think that y'all would be able to contend though with Tebow? Like yeah. a mentored by Manning Tebow? I think, I think so. I think we'd be. See, it's kind of tough because, like, you know, if the Chiefs still end up with Mahomes at the end of the day, then that's a bit tougher. And I don't think Tebow would be as good as Mahomes. But I think that we would be uh, a, a perennial playoff team. Yeah. Hold up, but do y'all think that might affect how the Chiefs draft, though? Because say Tebow is, you know, good enough, right? And he gets y'all into the playoffs, and there's that pressure, right? And so the Chiefs are like, well, hold up. We have Alex Smith. He's gotten us this far. He could win us some games. Why should we roll the dice on a first-round guy and, and get him? You know what I mean? If he can't play right away, because that would basically mean that we're wasting a first round pick 
and somebody who can't contribute right away while the Broncos are contribute or sorry while the Broncos are winning right now while the you know Chargers and Raiders are doing their thing or whatever because they've had some good seasons every now and then so that would kind of just put pressure on the Chiefs to like either I mean I don't know to either maybe tank quicker or stick with what they know I feel like that might play a just you know a slight role because some teams draft according to how the rest of their division does sometimes. No, does does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, that might affect where Mahomes goes too. If we if we really want to talk about it, Mahomes wasn't like a dual threat either. Yeah, it could have been somebody that went really isn't, but but... yeah, I mean he could run a little bit though. Yeah. Oh, he can make plays with his legs, and that's yeah frustrating because of how good he is with his arm, you know. But he's not. Yeah. He's not a, you know, he's not even like a Josh Allen threat with his legs. No, I mean honestly, if he was built a little bit different, I mean this is just his you know personal preference with his body type and whatnot. But if he was built a little bit different, he could probably be one of the better runners in the league, to be honest. Um, but you know, he's he's built as a pocket passer for a reason, so. If he took those Tim Tebow diet pills, bro. What? <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying if his body type, if he bulked up to be a bit more like Tebow. Oh, okay. Tebow yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. <laughs> I was like, hold up. Is that a, <laughs> he, is a man Tim Tebow. Joke? Hey, hey, no, 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 no. What do you said? Tim Tebow would take the HGH instead. <laughs> no, bruh. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. That's a good one, Liam. I like that one, though. Yeah, that was good. Thanks. That one was just for Cody. Thanks, King. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a good one. I like this segment. All right. Um, C- Cody, did you have anything else or are, are we good? Um, I'm, I'll have a double header for next time. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> that works all right so thank you for rocking with us at the cycle 365 make sure to follow us on social media we're on twitter facebook instagram you name it we're there at the cycle 365 also make sure you uh find us on our major streaming on all major streaming platforms uh that's you know youtube spotify apple Podcasts, all that great stuff if you're listening to us obviously you're already there but you know give us a share uh give us a nice rating all that great stuff and yeah catch us next week where the mini series will continue if you haven't listened to the last mini series episode the one about aau basketball prep academies all that stuff that i got to do with my older brother gene voyanos make sure you check that out it was a really good time talked about all of those things plus julian newman to a degree for those of y'all who know who he is we didn't do him any favors though we bashed him pretty bad but anyways Yeesh. make sure you check that out <laughs> make sure you check that out um next week i believe cody has a couple really good interviews with some lgbtq athletes is that right cody for the mini series yes sir yeah so we'll get them on and i'm sure that'll be a good time i've heard a lot of good things about that and I am one of your co-hosts, Simon Vuyanos. I'm Cody Stafford. I'm Liam Hughes. Peace.